What you say? The RJB. Every time they see us come, watch them demons shake. Hey, man, here you come with all that stuff, man. Come on, let's go, man. Life and death is in your tongue, so watch what you say. Hey, real talk, what you say yeah. around him, too, man. Real talk. His name's Howay. If you don't know about Father Rahai, his name's Howay. And you don't know about his son, Yashai, his name's Howay. Receive the gift of Rawakada, his name's Howay. Forever screaming, Kram Yasharal, his name's Howay. You ain't got to tell me name's Howay. I'm calling a higher. Just like you shy, digital download of the hard copy, man, I'm two by twos. Some of these Hebrews be acting feminine, we call them two wonk fools. Uh, I'm laughing at them, same time, one foot past them. I ain't trying to be the boy's favorite rapper. They only rap because they Twitter popular. That's the difference between me and them. I'm the son of Jacob, they the son of sin. The rock open, so I'm a on in. We don't go ham, but we go shim. I'll cut that bird, put his fur on. Great warrior like Gideon. I tell you the truth, do what you do. I can't judge you like Gideon. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Darian Claxton. This is Real Talk 101 on VoxWave.com. As you can see, I'm flying solo today. Uh, you see, I'm dressed up, so I'm not here to preach. I am actually came from a funeral. Our brother, uh, Bradley Tremell, we, we laid his grandmother to rest. So both he and Orlando are still there. But the Most High put something on my heart. And I'm praying that you pray for me even right now. So let's, let's bow our heads before we even go any further. Spirit of the living God. Fall fresh on me. Amen. Now, 2 Timothy 3.12 says that all who would live a godly life will suffer persecution. Not might, not maybe. There's no possibility of you skating through this life. If you put the name Christian on the back of your jersey and you dedicate to live your life with Christ as your master, persecution will come. It's something that the Lord has put in my heart is that when it comes to ministry, true ministry cannot begin until you get uncomfortable. In other words, if you're comfortable doing what you're doing, it could be ministry and God might, God's trying to get you to the next level. The Most High is trying to up your game up to where it gets uncomfortable. In other words, if you have not lost friends because of your ministry, you're not going hard enough. Uh, if you haven't ticked people off because of your ministry, you haven't go, you're not going hard enough. Uh, if you have not had people, particularly even in the church, 
look at you sideways, think that you're a dissenter, call you outside of your name, maybe look at you as someone who is a complainer, someone who is causing division. If none of that has happened yet, you have not gone hard enough in your ministry. Where am I going with this? I'm actually speaking to myself, particularly on this show, because I, gotta, I have to admit to you, because of my position in the church, you know, I'm, I'm an ordained elder in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, I've had a lot of conversations. I've seen things in my church, and I've always been hesitant to go into details, to give testimonies that could be life-changing to someone who's watching or someone who's listening. I've always held back, even if something would come out in the show and I might say something, I wouldn't post the link on Facebook because I have members of my church who could be watching. I have friends who could be watching and they might feel uncomfortable. But if you're not uncomfortable with your ministry, if what you're doing is not putting you at odds with the people you come in contact with, you're not going hard enough. And the biggest disservice we can do as servants of the Most High is to keep quiet about what we know about the devil, to keep him under wraps. One of the main ministry uh, goals of Hood Proud, of Real Talk 101, is to expose the devil, to not let him lurk in the shadows, to not let him keep pulling his strings behind the scenes without calling that rascal out. And that's what we're going to be doing here today. I have to give my experience and then we can understand from there, why this burden's been poured on my heart. I've come in here in the past and I've, speak, I've spoken about the difficulties I had in 2016, financial difficulties led me to a point where I was frustrated. I'm watching that Super Bowl NFL 2017. I was moved to give the NFL up, but that led into a revelation. And I've never really gone into detail about what that revelation is, but this is about exposing the devil. So what ended up happening was I had this discomfort because I felt that the Lord was on the verge of giving me a breakthrough. And so that week after, after the Super Bowl, this is February 2017, my wife calls me. Now we're very, as I said, very active in the church. Uh, you know, we sit on the board. This is our previous church and in, 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 in not here in Maryland. Very active in the board. And so she calls me up and she is distressed. She's distressed because one of the members in the church, someone that she considered a friend, was exhibiting a pattern of poor judgment. And I can't go into details as to what she was lamenting, but basically she was like, you know, this person has shown themselves to have poor judgment and it was affecting someone very close to her. So She's calling me up and she wants me to pray about it. Well, actually, I offered to pray about the situation. So I'm at home. She's at work. The phone just dies all of a sudden. Now, where I lived in Arizona, I lived in a dead spot. Actually, where my home office was, there was a dead spot. So I understood this. So I pick up my landline, pick up the phone. I call her back. And the connection was so bad. I mean, I could barely hear what she was saying. I'm yelling at the top of my voice. Top of my lungs, she can't really hear me. We're still conversing, and then we get to the point where I'm about to pray, and the line cuts off again. Now, we're talking about calling from a landline to landline. There's no cell, there's no wireless, nothing of that nature going on. This is strictly landline to landline. It cuts off. And in that moment, I get a revelation. I get a revelation about this person, this lady in our church, who had someone very close to them who was involved with witchcraft. And I knew this for a fact. I'd spoken to this individual. Um, you know, he had graduated from drinking to smoking weed. to Nothing was giving him the high that he looked for. And he ended up getting involved in seances and witchcraft and things of that nature. And that was where he was at. And this lady was in the hospital in the, in the previous year, and we as elders, we'd come and we laid hands on her, we prayed for her, and we asked the doctors, hey, what's going on with this lady? And the doctor couldn't figure out. Said, we don't know. We've ran all kind of tests. She seems fine. Everything says she's fine, but for whatever reason, she's not getting better. And so at that point, my thinking was, because of this person who's close to her, who's involved in witchcraft, it is having an effect, it's having an adverse effect on her. So in this moment, fast forward, on the phone with my wife, the phone dies, the revelation I get was you have it twisted. 
It's not he affecting her. It's her affecting him. This is the person that's causing the trouble. This is a person who is far more involved in witchcraft than this little small timer here. And I get this revelation as clear as day, and I'm like, Lord, is that really what's going on? And all of a sudden, the phone starts to ring like it's possessed. Ring, 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 ring. And I'm trying to answer the phone, trying to answer the phone. Nothing's happening. Nothing's registering. Then it just, the phone dies. And I drop to my knees, tears in my eyes, like, Lord, is, 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 are you trying to confirm with me which, what I think you're trying to confirm? Again, phone rings, ring, like it's possessed. Can't answer the phone. Presumably, it's my wife trying to call me back because we'd been cut off uh, prior. So I go outside uh, where there's better connection. I call her on my cell phone, and I say, uh, babe, we got a problem. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, there's no way that she's going to believe what I have to say, that this person who is close to her, a friend of hers, is actually working for the other side, is actually involved in behavior. Now, this person, understand, this is not just some regular visitor who comes and goes. This is not some person who, you know, you may see from afar and say, oh, there's something strange about them. Maybe the No, this is somebody who is well-respected, well-liked. They're involved in numerous ministries in the church that claim to be a follower of Christ. And here they are, here's this revelation that they are not who they appear to be. And so I'm like, my wife is not going to believe me. There's no way she is going to believe me. And I call her up, and she answers the phone, and I tell her, and she just has a moment of silence. She says, you're right. And I said, what? And then it's, it's kind of like watching a movie, a mystery thriller. This is a movie that came out called The Usual Suspects, probably about 22 years ago. Um, and it starred Kevin Spacey and numerous other individuals. You know the movie. And... Basically, there's this complex web of stories and lies that are being told. And this gentleman who's talking to the police and he's acting like he is uh, mentally uh, challenged. And he's talking about this villain who's been orchestrating the whole thing. He gets off scot-free because turns out he is the villain. Turns out he was the one who was doing all the things in the background. The police missed it completely. And basically at the end of that movie, they show you flashbacks throughout the movie of this scene, this scene, and then it all makes sense. So when you're watching from the movie for the first time, you have no idea that this brother who's sitting down in the police station, who's telling them all of the tales, all the stories of what's going down, you have no idea what the truth is until the end, until the big reveal comes, and then the flashback comes, and ah, it all makes sense. So this is what I'm going through with my wife on the phone about this particular lady. I'm talking about the kind of shows that she was watching, uh, having to do with what we call innocuous shows about witchcraft, charmed, um, I mean, the, the devil has infiltrated all of the entertainment media that there is out now. So there's virtually nothing you can watch that is, does not have something deliberately placed to make a mockery of the Most High and to push the devil's agenda. But there are certain shows that go above and beyond. And so that's one thing she was into. Um, there was a, I, I want to go into all that. There was a bunch, there was an orgy of evidence, to use a legal term, that this person was what the Lord had revealed to me was. The difficulty is my gift, my spiritual gift is not Brad's gift. Brad is a preacher's preacher. Uh, I mean, if he were called to do what I'm doing now, which is having no preparation and come and just speak to y'all for an hour, he can do that. You can think he prepared that thing for, for, for weeks, right? Orlando is the warrior of truth. Like no holds bar. He is not afraid to say what the most high has put on his heart. He's obedient to what he has to say. Me, I've preached before. I'm not a preacher. I teach, but the real gift that God has given me is the gift of empathy, the gift of exhortation, the gift of relationships. And as, a, as such, I love people. I love listening to people. <clears throat> I love praying with people. <clears throat> Excuse me. I love giving advice to people as I hear their issues and, I, and, 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 and the Holy Spirit gives me words to speak of encouragement over them. And so as such, I want to believe the best about people. <clears throat> So it's difficult for someone like me to have to believe that someone who claims to be a follower of Christ is doing these things behind the scenes. And so I'm wrestling with this revelation, wrestling with the Most High for weeks. And he's basically chastising me. He's like, that's, that's why I don't tell you things, because you refuse to believe what's clearly put in front of your face. And so he directs me to a passage in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses has to go to the Pharaoh when the children of Israel are being enslaved. And Moses doesn't want to go. 
He's giving all these excuses as to why he's not the one to be called, why the children of Israel are not going to believe that he was sent to deliver them out of hundreds of years of captivity, of enslavement. And God's giving him sign after sign. You know, throw your rod on the ground, it turns into a snake. He picks up the snake, it turns back to a rod. Put your hand on your side, it comes out leprous, he puts it back in, it's normal. You know, pour out water, it turns into blood. So sign after sign, he's still not believing. And eventually God gets really upset with him and says, okay, there's your brother, your brother's a speaker, you two go, you speak to him, and I'll speak through both of you, and I'm going to accomplish my mission through you. But basically he's fed up with him, and God is saying, this is what I'm dealing with with you. I'm fed up with you because I've given you this revelation, not for you to be afraid, not for you to second guess, not for you for your humanity to get in the way of the mission I've called you for. And you haven't accepted the mission. And so after a while, and you know what? God was merciful because he gave evidence after evidence. For example, when that happened, all of a sudden I'm starting to get phone calls from people who are hearing voices, people who are seeing crazy things, people who have been demonically possessed. And every single one of those had a connection to this lady in the church. Every single one of them had received an object that was what we call a familiar object, something that was uh, cursed, designed to give the devil legal authority. This is one of the ways the devil, devil infiltrates our homes. We have things in our homes that even though we're praying right and we're studying the word right and we're doing, we're trying to live right, there is a piece of him in our homes. And because of that, he can wreak havoc. That's why we call this brother out. It could be something as innocuous as a piece of paper, but usually it's something more. Maybe it could be a ma- some, some item that you bought overseas that was blessed by a medicine man. Um, It could be a chair. It could be anything. And what ends up happening is once that is in your house, now the devil can wreak havoc. And all your prayers are all well and good. And we always have to remember that anything that the devil does to cause havoc in your life, he has to go to God first. Just like we saw in the story of Job. Even though Job Job had to lose his, his riches and lose his children and have all his calamities fall upon him, that was all with the sanctioning of the Most High, where the Most High knew, okay, I know if, if, if he goes through all this, he will still be faithful. So this lady had done all these things, sent out objects. People are having apparitions appear in their house. And God, again, has given me mountains of evidence because he's like, you know, this is just the first. This is the first of many revelations. This is the ministry I'm called to. So again, I'm not a Brad, I'm not a Orlando. My ministry and my burden is this, dealing with spiritual warfare and getting to the point where people will end up discrediting you. You know, I travel the world. I've I've spent a ton of time in Africa, been to South America, been to Europe. And we think that in places where it's third world countries, okay, that's where those things happen. You know, in Africa, in the deep jungles of Africa or in the Caribbean or in Haiti, that's where you have curses and you have people under spells and you have voodoo and you have witches and warlocks. And those people have a a very vivid understanding of Ephesians 6.12, which talks about our battling not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and the rulers of darkness, right? But here in America, in our first world, we're like, ah, nah, that stuff don't happen here. Nah, we we don't deal with that thing. We don't have to worry about demonic activity. Now, we read about it in the Bible. We say, well, that was then. But because we're comfortable, we have our houses. We not be rich, but we are not living that way. And so our lives are lived with blinders on. We're going out into the world not realizing the forces that are around us every day. And it's only the mercy of God that keeps us at bay, keeps those forces at bay who want nothing but to take us out. And what he has done, particularly in the church context, is plant individuals who look like they say the right things, who dress run nice and they pray nice and they do all these things. But in reality, they're working for the other side. And that's what this lady was. And again, the Lord was telling me, if you cannot accept this revelation with a mountain of evidence, you ain't going to be able to accept the next one or the next one. Because he's always trying to up our faith. He's trying to strengthen our muscles and bring us to the next level of understanding. So I finally got to the point where I embraced this. And I told the pastor at the time of the church who was actually on his way out. <clears throat> um, we actually went for about a year and a half without a pastor. And us elders, we, we kind of had to, to run things at the church. But I, I told the pastor, 
and I told the pastor's son, and um, it, it got out. Basically, we had a business meeting at the church, and uh, all this information. Basically, this person in the church had attacked every single one of the elders, whether it was a physical attack, whether it was someone who should have been dead in a car accident, ended up being a, a, a paraplegic. In my case, it was financial. So where contracts that I had in hand were just falling out left, right, and center for no good reason. Clients who were like, yeah, we like your software. Okay, we're going to buy. And I need money to pay my employees. And you need money to pay the office rent. And it's falling through. So my attack, my assault was financial. So I was so busy dealing with trying to get things done, trying to pay the bills that I couldn't do the work that God put in front of me. Couldn't visit anybody. You know what I mean? Couldn't really spend the time in the word as I needed to. So once I realized what was going on, my prayers changed and my life changed. But this lady wasn't the only one. So basically this, 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 this message about the attacks and these individuals in the church who were doing witchcraft got out to the church at large. And this was my final confirmation because the lady all of a sudden starts to panic because now she was not called out by name. I, I, there's only a few people who actually know her name. But the idea that there were individuals in the church or an individual in the church who was wreaking havoc and working for the other side now was available to the most, most of the church at large. And so people are looking like, who, who could this person be? And so she starts to panic. And uh, she spreads a rumor about me. This is, this is a, again, going to my opening text with all those who would live Godly lives will suffer persecution. She starts this rumor about me, trying to discredit me. But in doing so, she, had to, she actually exposed herself because the information that she claimed that I was disseminating and the rumors I was supposedly spreading were months before. But now all of a sudden that it's become public that there is this person in the church, now she is running scared and trying to throw smoke screens. And she's spreading these rumors. And so I, I, I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, should I speak to this lady? And she says, he says, yes. When the, and the, point, the, the, the appropriate time came, he says, you need to sit down with her with a mediator and find out what her, what, what her issue is. It turned out to be nothing. Matter of fact, she agreed to, to sit down with a meeting with me. And basically when I called her out, she, just, she backed off all the way. But in that conversation, she admitted that her husband was a member of the Illuminati, husband who had died in the past. Uh, he was a mason. Uh, he was involved in certain things. She admitted that her family, uh, growing up down south, had been heavily involved with witchcraft. Now, she, of course, said that she was not a part of it. But this was a revelation. So she didn't mean to say that. The Most High made her do that because he knew that I was still struggling with this burden that's been put on me. And I got to go deeper, though. So she leaves the church. So when the pastor of that church leaves, she leaves with him because basically she's been exposed. Even though only a few of us know, she knows and we know, so she has to leave. The devil is such a slick operator. I'm not trying to give him any credit whatsoever because he is fighting a losing battle. We know that by the blood of the lamb, he will reach defeat when it's all said and done. But he's so formulaic and structured in the way that he does things. So when it comes to infiltration, he always makes sure that there's a backup plan. And so before this lady left the church, he sent somebody else to take her place so that when she left, they would already be up and running. They would already have garnered some support and some trust in the church. And now they're alive and well, and they're very active. And this was a revelation that came later on that with less evidence, but I realized, wow, this is a path that God has put me on. So understand this. When you are dealing with people who claim to be godly. And you look at church and you're like, man, this, this place seems like a mess. There's infighting, board meetings, people, I've heard of board meetings where literally chairs are being thrown at each other. People are yelling and screaming at each other. And you have those on the outside, like, I don't want any part of Christianity because the people who claim to be Christians are not acting Christ-like. People go to the church and they see dysfunction. They see people talking about each other. They see backbiting. They may see the music program and the, the choir doesn't sound good or the mics aren't working, you know. And so like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to do an exit stage left because this is not the place for me. And so people make, make excuses as to why they won't get their lives together because they're seeing imperfect people acting imperfectly. But the real story is 
The true villain is the devil. And the true villain is someone who he is working through to cause havoc in the church. Not someone, again, as I said before, not someone who seems like they're a troublemaker, someone who you look at them and you say, hmm, if there's an infiltrator, it's probably them. No, it's never that. It's someone who is well-liked, well-respected, a lot of power, a lot of influence. I want to read a text for you, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And it, it speaks to something that was brought up last week regarding the state of the dead, which is also a very uncomfortable doctrine, that the dead are not floating around somewhere. They don't go straight to heaven. Because when we believe that, we accept that, then we open ourselves up to de- deception. So let's look at this, ch- this, 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 this passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And if I were to start in verse 13, where the writer Paul is speaking about false apostles. Such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of life, therefore, angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. And so last week, you know, Brad and Orlando and Raphael were speaking about the dangers of the deception of that doctrine, of, of believing that the dead are not really dead, and how Satan can actually impersonate a relative of yours, a friend of yours who died, because you don't believe they're really dead. They can come back to you in a dream, they come back to you in an apparition, and they sound like the person. It could be your grandmother. You know, like Brad's grandmother just died. If he would not ground it in this doctrine, grandmother could appear to him, and start telling him all these things. And this was a godly woman. This was a Christian woman. This is somebody that we know or we have faith is going to be there in the end. It's going to be in heaven. So without having this doctrine sound, we can believe that this is her. But really, it is an angel of darkness dressed up as an angel of light. So taking it back to my example, in the church, you have individuals who appear to be ministers of righteousness, holding high positions. They could be pastors, it could be elders, it could be deacons, deaconesses, it could be uh, ministry leaders, it could be leaders of departments, it could be anybody. Usually someone with, with influence whose words sound good. Their prayers are eloquent. They know Bible texts. They can spit them off quickly. But their ends will be according to their works. And if you study long enough what the Savior said, is that their fruits, by their fruit you shall know them. And every single one of these individuals, at some point, when I looked at them, when it had been revealed to me who they were, I saw their fruits. Now, this is my burden. Now, I don't want you to leave here and go to your church and start pointing people out thinking that they're infiltrators. It's better to not know, to be honest. The reason why the revelation was given to me was so that I know how to pray. And I know how to exhort people who are frustrated in the church. Because, again, the devil is sitting back eating popcorn, sipping tea while we fight each other, when in reality he's pulling the strings. Now that person who was an infiltrator, this individual who came in our church, and then the follow-up person who came, they're not the enemy. They are misguided. Just as I may be misguided, I may be caught in addiction. I might be doing things, watching things, eating things I shouldn't do, but, 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 but God can still save me and God still wants to save me. So these individuals who are in the church, they are not our enemy. But once you realize the Ephesians 6.12, the spiritual battle going on behind the scenes, then your prayers need to change. This is real talk, one-on-one. Your prayers need to change to where you're not praying for someone to change their ways. You're not praying for someone who is annoying you to have, I mean, just, just, Lord, just stop them from, from annoying me. Stop them from doing this. This person who can't sing, you know, take them out of the choir. No, our prayers are about the unseen, what's going on behind the scenes. Our prayers are about removing spiritual blindness. Our prayers are about blocking the prayers and the supplications being made by those working for the enemy who would attack us and attack our families. Ever since I began this with this ministry and I began talking to people and basically exposing the devil, the devil has come after me. It's come after my family. This is the expectation 
But again, your ministry is not a true ministry until it gets uncomfortable. So here we are, we've moved to the East Coast, and I'm thinking that's all behind me. Now, I know that God has called us all to a specific ministry, particularly now that I'm here. Each one of us is a different member of the body of Christ with different abilities, different missions, different burdens. We'll go to a lovely church now, love the church. And since we're not involved in the church like we were before, we don't sit on the board. We're not, you know, we're not ministry leaders. We don't have to go to the board meeting. So we, you know, when you're not involved in the church, the warts can be covered up. You have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. This eloquent pastor uh, preaches great messages. The people are very friendly, even though it's a big church. Normally in a big church, you can get lost in, in the shuffle. But it's, it's even though it's a big There are people that are loving and people that reach out to us, and we're just so thankful for this church. But that being said, it was foolish enough, it was foolish for me to think that what happened in my church in Arizona is not happening in this church, it's not happening in every single church where people would do the will of the Most High, where people were coming with burdens to be released, where people want their chains of enslavement to be broken, Anywhere that captivity is being turned into freedom, into spiritual freedom, the devil will be there. The devil is there to plant. And so here I am yesterday at church, at this church, uh, and there's someone who I had worked with, someone who's a very friendly person who I felt a little bit paranoid about, but again, I don't like this burden that's been put on my heart. So it's easy for me to discount feelings that I have. I don't want to be this person that's just like, everywhere I look, I'm seeing witches. That's, that's not what I want to do. So I, I discounted this feeling I had about this person. And then yesterday, I spoke to them, and we had a good conversation, and now we're in the congregation. We're about to have the opening hymn. And in that moment, the Most High says, turn around. I'm like, hmm. So I look back. And I see this person, the same person, glaring at me. That's not the first time I've gotten mean mugged by somebody. People do it all the time. It could be for a lot of reasons. Maybe they're upset about something and they just happen to be looking at you when you look at them. Uh, you know, maybe they have something on their mind. Maybe they don't like what you're wearing. Or maybe they're attracted to you and that's their way of, you know what I mean? So there's a lot, there's a numerous reasons. So I'm not someone that's going to be paranoid or, or attaching a lot of weight just because someone mean mugs me. But the, the, the fact the Most High told me to turn around and I've been praying and, 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 and meditating about this person. And now they are mean mugging me. Tears came to my eyes because I knew what it meant. I knew that I had to be uncomfortable. Here I was in new church comfortable. I can sit back, can get a blessing every week, go in a prayer meeting on Wednesday night, don't have to worry about being involved, don't have to worry about knowing what's going on behind the scenes. I was comfortable. Ministry is not true ministry until it makes you uncomfortable. Now I was uncomfortable and tears were coming down my face. I told my wife was sitting next to me, I said, babe, I got to go out. And she sees my face and she's worried about me. She's like, what's going on? I was like, I, I, I just need to go out. Uh, and I go out, and she follows me. I'm like, babe, just give me a minute. So I, I basically go into a room. I shut the door. I start to pray. I start to cry like a baby. Because, again, my gift is a gift of relationships. I love people. I want to think the best of people. And here it is. It is happening again. Now, the reason why I'm telling you all this is for your understanding of who the devil is. If you have decided to stay on the fence about a decision for Christ. If you have, God forbid, decided to work for the other side, maybe you were involved in what you think is innocuous witchcraft. Now, we know Ouija boards are bad and tarot cards or whatever. Actually, some people like that stuff too. But even innocuous things, maybe getting your palm read, your future told, uh, reading your horoscope. But I mean, look what the Bible says. Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19. The prophet says, When they say to you, Seek those who are mediums and wizards who whisper and mutter, should not a people seek their God? Should they, not, should they seek the dead on behalf of the living? Now, this is also speaking to trying to contact the dead. But it's also speaking about trying to find out the future, trying to get information from any source other than God. 
verse 20, he says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. In other words, if you are seeking a source other than the Most High, other than His word, for information about the future, for information about your life, for direction on what way your path, what path you should take in your life, you've opened yourself up to the devil. You've opened yourself up to demonic activity where you are willfully or unwillfully pushing his agenda. There are individuals that I've spoken to that are seeing these apparitions that had something as simple as harmless, something as harmless as having their fortune told. They had their palm readings and they can trace with a lot of prayer and a lot of questioning. They can trace back the beginning of their episodes to this incident. So it requires so getting out of that requires prayers of forgiveness and understanding how the devil operates. See, God is a God of truth. God cannot lie. We have numerous texts in the Bible that says he is not a man who can lie. He's not a man who will lie, will not change his mind. When he says something, you can take it to the bank. The devil doesn't play by those rules. The devil will mix truth and error. The devil will suck you in with something you think is right or may be right, but mixing just a little bit of error. But because it sounds good, because it gives you the easy way out, you become a servant of his. And it may just be momentary. You may realize, ah, I shouldn't have gone down that path I, I shouldn't have played with that Ouija board, God forbid. But it allows you to be used by the devil. Proverbs 3, 5, I believe it is, says, Lean not, trust the Lord with all your heart, and lean not into your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And it is never an easy task to have to wait on the Lord where you have a bill that's due and you don't know where the money's going to come from, where you have a child who is sick, and you don't know how that resolution is going to come about where they're healthy again. Where you have a decision to be made about your career, about your relationship. And, and maybe you've been praying about it and God's not answered you. So the easy route is, okay, maybe I should ask somebody. Maybe I should go see a, a psychic or see you know, someone who has connections to the other side. They might even call themselves a good witch. When I was in Africa, I, I would go to... A, I go to churches out there, and there were individuals who would have their Bibles blessed by the medicine men, uh, doused in holy water. So these are people who claim, oh, we don't work for the other side. We're not doing black magic. We're doing white magic. You know, these are people who say, claim they love the Bible. You know, but there will always be a little bit of error, a little bit of falsehood twisted in. Like, for example, some of these folks will give you the notion that, yes, I, we believe in God, we believe in the Godhead, but the reality is God is inside of all of us, which he is. He does want to dwell with us, but that's our choice to have him dwell with us. But the idea that we are gods ourselves, that we don't have to be accountable to anybody else, that we can go to some other person who is also a God and a certain authority, and we don't have to wait for the Lord to give us understanding, that idea has a pathway straight to hell. So I would encourage you, if you're having problems in your church, don't blame each other. Don't look upon someone who you have a beef with as your enemy. Maybe even outside the church. God, devil, for example, will move in marriages. He will move in your marriage, and I know every person who is married can have a similar testimony of where you have said something, and your spouse heard something totally different. Or your spouse said something, and you heard something totally different, and you guys are at each other's throats because, like, you said this. No, I didn't say that. And, 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 and it, it just drives you crazy. What's happening is what's known as scramblers. These are demonic scramblers where... Because for some reason the devil has authority, he has access, you don't hear everything that's being said, and sometimes you hear things that were not said. And I didn't realize this was going on until I took my phone and recorded a board meeting at my old church. And at my old church, this was right in the midst of the revelation I had about this lady who ended up being a witch. And someone in that board meeting 
I'm good friends with. I've counseled them on many occasions. And I spoke to her after the fact. And she said she was so upset that this person in the board meeting said something. Said, oh, you're a liar. That was a phrase. They said, you're a liar. I said, I don't remember that. I didn't hear that at all. She said, no, I heard it with my own ears, and I can't believe this person who was, who was a you know, big-time person. That I can't believe that he would say that, 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 that he would call somebody a liar. I, I, can't get, I can't get over that. And so she was distraught. She was angry. She was upset. It was consuming her. So I said, bet. She, what she don't know is I got it on tape. I got the recording. So I went back and I listened to the recording. Never happened. It was never said. Consequently, I asked her, I said, do you remember there was somebody else who happened to be this lady who was a witch? Did you hear her say something? It was a phrase that was said. She said, no, I didn't hear that. I said, she was sitting right next to you. No, I didn't hear that at all. Are you serious you said that? And I went back to the recording, and there it was. In other words, when there's demonic activity going on, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your children, you can hear things that were not said, or you cannot hear things that were said. And again, the devil is pulling the strings, laughing in the background, sipping tea, eating popcorn, seeing us attack the wrong enemy. Seeing us, instead of getting to our knees and realizing what's going on and praying the prayers that will break chains, we turn to ourselves. We start to get upset. And I've, unfortunately, I've done it with my wife, where I'm getting mad at her because I know she said this thing in my mind. I can't, I can't believe that she said it, and now she's denying even saying it. When I prayed, asked the Lord to reveal the things in my house that was giving the devil legal right. It was causing havoc in my home. And he just started opening up. And some things were, as I said, innocuous. In one case, it was some hats that my wife had purchased from the same lady who had infiltrated our church. While they were in our home, devil had access. There were some movies, some DVDs, some CDs, some shirts. There were all kinds of things that basically were stamping my locale as being the property of the devil, as being a place where he could freely go. Now, God was there. And his angels were there. But because I had those items by my own choice, God cannot violate my choice. And so I had to come to the point where I had to realize my prayers had to change. And once those items left my house, night and day. So your prayer needs to be, what are the things that are in my life that is causing the devil to just be playing these games left, right, and center? The things you watch on TV are huge. As I said before, the entertainment industry is controlled by people who are not serving God. Now, there are people who are in the industry who want to change the narrative. There are faith-based films, and there are people who want to be positive, and I understand that. But at the end of the day, the majority of what you watch is designed to dull your senses to what's really going on in the world, to distract you from the time you need to be spending in this world, to getting you caught up and getting you emotional about things that are going to pass away. So a change has to be made in your life. If the, tiny, the type of music you listen to is not glorifying God, it needs to change. I'm someone that grew up listening to hip-hop, R&B, women being disrespected, four-letter word here and there, and glorifying a certain type of lifestyle. And the Lord convicted me about that, and I stopped listening to that. But, 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 but that was just the beginning. And I would only listen to R&B music, and it was good stuff. But I was like, nah, you, you need to change that. So I said, no, I'm not going to listen to any music with the words. So I listened to jazz music. I was like, nah, man. The reason being is if someone who has created the music, who's done the orchestration, who's done the instrumentation, who's done the writing, if their servant is Satan, whether it's willing or unwilling, when you listen to it, you're inviting that into your home. There are addictions that I could not break until I changed the music I was listening to. Because while listening to what I thought was even gospel music, while listening to it, the enemy was getting the glory. And I can't tell you what to stop listening to. 
Because for me, I had to pray and the Lord had to reveal specifically. He had to make me uncomfortable about the type of music I was listening to until I changed it and changed it. And now, okay, that's where I want you to be. Are you willing to be uncomfortable? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to where everything in your life is glorifying God? Now, now, now I understand that there is a growth process. For me, I didn't quit cold turkey. I mean, I love me some, some hip-hop music. I love me some R&B. It was a gradual process. And thus I saw my progress, my spiritual progress, equally gradual. But for me, that's what it took. I, I couldn't quit cold turkey. A lot of, I remember in my old school that me and Brad went to, actually all three of us went to Oakwood in, in Huntsville, Alabama. There were these stories of individuals who would attend a workshop. We had these workshops at our school that would call out the devil. Call them out in the form of music where there were artists, some of them even gospel artists, they played their music backwards and were saying things like, I serve Satan. I mean, it was like all throughout. And so people would be shook. And they would go in and throw out all of their CDs. Cold turkey. One month later, two months later, they start buying back up again. Because they couldn't live with it. Because see, their reason for changing was not because they had a conviction from the Most High, not because they had a real love. I'm not trying to judge them, but I understand because I was going to the same thing. It's not because we had a love for the truth or love for the Most High or love for serving Him. It's because we were scared. And the Bible clearly tells us that fear in God cannot occupy the same space at the same time. That's why the devil will get you any way he can. If fear is behind it, we know that's not the Spirit of God. He is a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. That's why he says uh, one, of the, one of the most famous t- texts is Psalms 23. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's a text in Isaiah that says, you know, fear not, I am with you, I will withhold you with my right hand. There are dozens and dozens of texts. Uh, be strong and courageous, fear not, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We are commanded over and over again in the Bible to not be afraid because if we are afraid, then God is not with us. And if we are afraid, then now the devil can come through and our emotions and our actions will reflect not a love of Christ, not a love for serving him, but fear and moving out of fear. So don't go out and Get rid of all your music and all of your movies that are glorifying exorcism. Don't, 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 don't do that until a conviction comes. And I'm praying that a conviction comes through these words that you're hearing right now. Because I've talked about appetite before on the show. Where whatever you consume is going to either help or hinder your progress to the goal that you have in mind. If you plan on losing spiritual weight getting rid of those sins that easily beset you, but yet your appetite is reflecting things that are giving glory to the devil or not giving glory to God, which by default is giving glory to the devil, you're going to stay the same weight. You're going to stay comfortable in a state of lethargy, in a state of lukewarmness. And that's why the Bible talks about the lukewarm church. That person who goes to church every Saturday, every Sunday, and they think nothing is wrong with them. There's no reason for them to change their lifestyle, to change what they're consuming and their appetite. Because by them going to church, they're righteous, they're holy, once saved, always saved. That is the worst condition. It's better for you to be cold. It's better for you to be out on the street with no money, with no food. Now you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta get on your knees. Like you've tried everything. You've tried drugs, you've tried women, you've tried alcohol, you've tried whatever it took and nothing worked, and here it was, you've lost everything, and now you're like, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. But when you're comfortable, everything is going well. You can go to church and get your little inoculation of, of, of Christianity, and no big deal, and then go on living life like nothing ever changed. I pray that's not the case with you. I pray that you realize what the devil's game is. It's to dull our senses, it's to lull us to sleep, it's to get us caught up, looking at the wrong enemy, is to get us caught up reliant even on people who claim to be servants of God. And I'm not even talking about the infiltrators. I'm talking about God-serving, uh, faithful pastors who deliver a message every week, but the goal is not for you to just eat that and survive on that for the entire week. If you're not studying on your own, you're not eating on your own, 
It's never going to be enough and there'll be no real change in your life. And the devil will just be laughing the whole time. Because the devil has his people in church. The devil has people to make you feel like, you know, I need to go to church to be blessed. That's always a feeling we have. I don't care about being a blessing. I, I had a hard week. I had a tough week. I need to hear a good word from the sermon. Good word from the pastor. If I don't get that good word, I start to complain about the church, I complain about the elders, complain about, you know, the dysfunction, and, and that just kind of sets the tone for my week. If it was a good message, good words, oh, child, pastor, preach today. But I think that that's good enough to last me the entire week. If you had a good meal, you went to your favorite restaurant on, on Sunday afternoon, and you ate to your heart's content, it was a good meal, five-course meal. You're going to survive off the strength of that the entire week? No. You're going to eat the next morning, the next afternoon, the next evening. You have to eat every day because your body requires nourishment to stay alive. Well, guess what? Your spiritual body requires spiritual nourishment to stay alive. So your prayers need to be more than what I call protocol prayers. You know, the protocol prayer is... I woke up in the morning, I'm going to pray. About to eat, I'm going to pray. It's time to go to, time to, go to bed, now I'll lay me down to sleep. Uh, I'm at church and the pastor's praying, so I bow my head. Protocol prayers are not going to protect you from the times that are around us now. Protocol prayers are not going to expose the devil to where he has to turn up the heat. That's the other thing. We're so afraid of, of tribulation, we would rather stay in comfort We'd rather stay in a lukewarm state than actually go hard with our ministry, go hard with our study of the Bible, go hard with our constant connection to the Most High in prayer. You can be comfortable for a while. Comfort will, 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 will pay some bills. Comfort will have you in a nice home, in a nice relationship. You, you, you find a church where maybe the pastor doesn't preach sermons that call out sin just talks about the love of God, and you go, oh, good sermon. But it only lasts so long. And Christ said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his or her soul? What does it profit you to stay in that atmosphere? Trying to make yourself rich, trying to build new houses, and to build your career, and to, to even build your marriage and your family, and all those things are good. But if that's your only focus, at best, you live 70, 80, 90 years, and, and then what? Would you rather have one dynamic day, one, a day that everything went well, and that was it? Or would you rather go through a crappy day where everything went terrible, but you had 20 years of bliss? What we're going through in our lives now with the devil attacking on every turn and he behind the scenes, this is a blip on the radar. This life, as difficult as it may seem, is only temporary. There's a text, I believe it's in Romans. I believe it's Romans chapter 5. And it talks about the struggling that we're going through now and realizing that there is an end game to this struggle. I think it's Romans chapter 8. Yes, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. So in other words, what we're suffering now, the problems we're dealing with now, ain't nothing compared to what God has in store for those who serve Him wholeheartedly, who are willing to be fed, to feed themselves spiritually every single day, who are willing to be a blessing to others. So don't just go to church trying to receive a blessing. How about you be a blessing? Don't go into your relationship just seeing what you can get out of it. How can you make your spouse feel better? How can you love your spouse better? How can you cover your spouse better in prayer? Don't just go to see how you can get your children to do what you want them to do, to be your minions, to be your slaves. No, what are you doing to protect them? What are you doing for their salvation? What are you doing to edify them so they can be productive members of society? How are you covering them, realizing the devil, and again, if you choose to live godly lives, if he can't attack you, he will attack your children. 
So your prayers need to be focused about covering them. He will attack through your family members. Some people, I'm an only child. You have some people that have siblings that they have never spoken to. They haven't spoken to in 20 and 30 years, which is inconceivable to me. He will attack you through your siblings, through your family members. Are you representing Christ in such a manner that when you have a change that the Most High has, has, has manifested in you, people start to come to you? People who are close to you will say, wow, what it is, what it is about you? I know what you used to be, and something about you is different. That's what our goal is, is to be different, to be uncomfortable, to, be, to stand out when the, everyone expects you to flip the bird to somebody who cuts you off. Everybody expects you to be angry when someone steps on you or someone brushes you the wrong way. That's how the world responds. So if you claim to be a Christian, but you acting the way the world is, there's no testimony. Devil has you in his back pocket. So you may not be like that infiltrator I mentioned who is deliberately serving Satan. You may think you're serving God, but because in that moment you are acting like the world, you're being a testament to somebody else that this Christianity thing is not worth it. It's no better. You are no better than me. Don't serve the devil, willingly or unwillingly. I'll close with the movie The Matrix, which has always been very interesting to me. Um, those who haven't seen it, it's basically talking about the world as we know it is not what we think it is. The world as we know it is really a facade that's been placed over our eyes. Because in reality, machines have taken over the entire world. And they need humans to survive. They're using them, they're cropping them, growing them, and using them for their power. The power is in the, 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 you know, the, the, the lifeblood that comes from us. And the only way that humans could stay alive, they couldn't stay in this vegetative state, they had to create this computerized virtual reality, which is what our world is. This is in the movie. And so you're plugged in, and everything you think you see is really a computer program. The food that you're eating, the people you interact with, it's really a computer program. And so the hero of the movie, which is played by Keanu Reeves' Neo, essentially has to be told by Morpheus, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne, that the world that he thinks he knows is not really the world. And when he is freed from that, now his mission is to free others, those who are trapped in this world because they are slaves. And I found it very interesting, the parallels it has to the Christian life, because in that movie you have the enforcers, which are the agents, and they can go through any single person, any person who is still plugged into the matrix, plugged into this system of control, could be used by them. So you have someone who's walking down the street who's an old lady, and all of a sudden it turns into an agent. He's, he's shooting at you. He's shooting his gun at you. Because if you are still connected, you can be used by the enemy. And I realize the world we live in now is not the real world. It's not our home. It's a facade that's been putting over our eyes. We don't realize the battles going on behind the scenes. So our, our, our mission is to be disconnected from the sin that enslaves every single one of us. Because while we're connected, we can be used by the devil just in that instance. I want to pray for somebody who's watching this. Who's, maybe you tuned in a few minutes ago. Maybe you've been with me the entire time. And I'm praying for a revelation to be given to you about the world that you're living in about the life that you've been living, about the mission, the purpose that God has called you to, which is far beyond what you're doing right now. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit who has called different members of the body of Christ into servitude at different times. I thank you for your conviction that has reached your servants and you've called us out of mire, out of sickness, out of sin, to be unworthy vessels of you. And I'm praying for every individual who is watching, who is listening, who is still stuck in sin, who has been living a charmed life, not realizing how your angels have been, have been opening doors for us just to wake up in the morning, just to drive on the road. You have been protecting us from the forces of evil. And that person's been oblivious. But we know ignorance is not going to last forever. There has to be a choice that we get to. We serve you or we serve the devil. So I'm praying that you would reveal yourself in every single person's lives who is listening to this, who is dealing with issues, who is dealing with hardships. They may be even mad at you because you have not allowed them to experience the wealth and experience the, the pleasure that others have. And I'm asking that you would 
impress upon them that you have made them uncomfortable to call them to a better life. Praying for someone who's shackled in sin, who doesn't know how to get out of whatever situation they're in, whatever poverty they're in, whatever addiction they're in. Lord, we rebuke the devil and all his machinations even now, who would try to oppress his people, but engages in insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, oppressing your people, not realizing that in the end those oppressions will remove the impurities from us as we're tried in the fire. And that's what causes us to arise to the challenge and take hold of our true purpose. So I thank you for refining us, for keeping the devil at bay to a certain point where you say he can't go on anymore. Forgive him of our sins, Lord God. Remove complacency and iniquity and, and willful rebellion from our heart that we may serve you and we may be there at the end to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. This has been Real Talk 101. We'll catch you next week by God's grace. God bless. Every time they see us come, watch them demons shake. Hey man, here you come with all that stuff, man. Come on, let's go. Man. Life and death is in your tongue, so watch what you say. Hey, real talk, what you say yeah. around him too, man. Real his talk. name's Howay. If you don't know about Father Rahai, his name's Howay. And you don't know about his son Yashai, his name's Howay. Receive the gift of Rawakadah, his name's Howay. Forever screaming, crime Yashara, his name's Howay. Tell me names whole way. I'm calling a higher. Calling them out. Kicking them tables over. Just like you shy. Digital download of the hard copy. Made them two by twos. Some of these Hebrews be acting feminine. We call them two one fools. Uh, I'm laughing at them. Same time, one foot past them. I ain't trying to be the boy's favorite rapper.